Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Aaron Koop about employee well-being in the workplace. Aaron Koop, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited. We're going to have a fun discussion today as we explore um, employee well-being in the workplace and various topics related to that. Uh, and it, it was fun chatting with you in the pre-interview, and I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better as well. Uh, before we get started, I wanted to share Aaron's bio with all the listeners. Aaron Koop has spent 17 years in three global corporations, technology, finance, and real estate. Uh, her journey to self-actualization stems from the demands and commands that work and the conditions of life placed on her well-being, psyche, and soul. In 2017, she experienced what she now deems an awakening, and her perception began to change as she found herself embarking on a journey of personal transformation. Subsequent progressive studies and deep self-work empowered her to evolve her own mindset and be a better professional leader and overall human being. In time, she reconnected to her authentic self and came to know her true life purpose. Learn more on her website, AaronCoop.com. And Aaron, really such a pleasure to, to meet you. Uh, and I'm really excited to learn more about your journey and what got you to where you're at now and, and what you're doing to help um, individuals and organizations. Yeah, well, thank you, John. Yeah, it's... Um... It's quite a journey. And yeah, one of the things I just, I love doing the most is sharing it with people because I truly believe that we are meant um, in life, you know, on this planet to serve humanity by teaching them what took us, you know, the biggest lessons to learn. And so for me, um, a lot of these life lessons are essentially exactly what I teach, you know, and it's all um, self-taught and, you know, what I like to say, self-mastered. Um, but it's not that it comes easy or comes lightly. So, um, you know, while these, some of the topics I talk about sometimes may have, um, sometimes a pie in the sky type of tone to them, they really are not pie in the sky. They're very practical. And the wisdom I share is very much actionable. And there's nothing greater than seeing people impacted in a positive manner by the work that I do. So I'm so happy to share that with you. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. And that's a really rewarding part of what we do. Um, being able to see the difference, seeing the light bulb go off in the eyes of of people and and seeing how their life changes for the better and and yeah. their teams and their organizations. Uh, so th so that's that's awesome. I thought we could start today by really just to to the extent you're comfortable, you know, hearing more about your own personal journey, um, some of those lessons uh, that you learned uh, and that process, and then we'll dive in more about how we can apply those learnings and principles into employee well-being in the workplace. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Happy to share. Um, you know, I think that there's so much power in being vulnerable. So, um, so I have no issues with sharing my story. Uh, just to go back to sort of the very beginning, I was raised in a family that uh, was a, a poverty stricken family and it wasn't anything that was necessarily the fault of my parents, right? It was just life happened. Um, my dad actually woke up very severely ill at age 45 and he was paralyzed from the waist down for a few years. It then turned into uh, the worst severity of lupus. And so he was sick my, my entire childhood. And what that meant was that my mom, who uh, unfortunately was not college educated because she had to drop out in her years, um, you know, she had to work multiple jobs to take care of me and my siblings. But there was always an innate knowing within me that I would create a life of my own one day. And it was just, it, it was as if I just had, I had zero doubts about it. I just knew I would. And I went on to put myself through college. And then I moved to New York City uh, from the Midwest, which was a big, longtime dream of mine. I moved there right after, after school. And I started to work for uh, a technology company um, that was uh, rooted in finance. And I had a role where I was supporting finance clients. And I had such a good time in New York City and my early 20s, you know, living that kind of fast paced life, but just, it was really, really fun. And I just, I just felt so connected to everything. I just felt so connected to who I really was. I was enjoying my work. I was enjoying the people I was working with, my clients, et cetera. And then I got recruited by uh, Goldman Sachs and I said, yes. And I now know at the age that I am with my maturity that I said yes out of ego. And if only that, you know, 25 year old would have known what I know now, um, life would have looked very different. But the lessons that came with saying yes from ego were absolutely uh, life altering. And what it meant from there on out was many years of extreme stress, um, extreme competition, uh, levels of anxiety that caused physiological responses in my body, like migraines, like appetite problems, sleep issues, fainting in elevators. I mean, those are just to name a few. And the, the work hard, play hard mentality became the life that I lived. I allowed my ego to literally lead me everywhere I went. It led my conversations. It led the work that I did. Um, it, it just literally became who I was and I identified with it. And I have to tell you, learning all that I did from that lens of ego, you know, the mind, what the mind had created based on what it saw, what it observed, what it thought that people expected of it. it it's just, it is mind blowing that we let that happen in our lives, but how easy it is to let that happen and how hard it is to actually come to the realization that that's what's been occurring in your life and to actually take the initiative to change it. So fast forward many years, I, I spent almost um, six to seven years at Goldman and then resigned um, just about age 30. I was also getting married. I had moved to Chicago with my um, then boyfriend, you know, turned husband and uh, changed my career. I, I just decided I was done with finance and I probably should have done that sooner because it wasn't for me. But um, from there, I went into business development functions in the commercial real estate industry and 
continued to also live from ego a little less so, but that was more so just because I wasn't as stressed out as I had been in the past. But I was still, I was still living from ego. And in 2017, as you read in my bio, I just had this moment where I was sitting on the couch. I had two young children that were 15 months apart. They were um, barely one and two. Looked at my husband after pouring a glass of wine on a Friday night, and I said, "This can't be it. Like this, if this is all that life is, where is the meaning? Like, what is the purpose of just getting up, taking a shower, dealing with our kids, going to work, working all day? You know, dealing with our kids at night, and then you know, doing it all over again the next day. Like." I wasn't enjoying a single second of it. I was not enjoying motherhood. I was not enjoying my personal life. I was not enjoying work. Um, like I just wasn't finding happiness. Now, mind you, I was not depressed. And I certainly had levels of anxiety that I had been dealing with for years, like I said, but it wasn't this like, you know, this this state of mind where I was in dire need of some sort of medication or assistance in that way. It was just this deep this deep thought that I finally expressed. And I believe that me actually saying those words out loud is what started to transform my life. From there on out, the people and the opportunities that came into my life were almost indescribable. It was just as if, as if I had spoken these words that allowed some sort of magic to unravel in front of me. And that's kind of the only way I can describe it because I could not have planned any of the things or the relationships that then took place. But to give you one example of that, I met a woman who runs a small business in Chicago, you know, through a contact of someone in my network. Her and I have a 30 minute coffee one day and we're like, we should get back together. I then go to a workshop of hers a month later, somehow that I was intrigued by and I ended up applying on her Instagram account, which I was new to at the time, for a retreat. And I won the retreat, which left a month later in Bali. <laughs> so I was literally, I found myself within an, a matter of eight weeks after saying what I said in Bali on this retreat. And I fainted twice on the airplane over. I ran myself to the ground the whole time leading up to that because I didn't actually think that I could go. But some of the experiences that happened over there on that retreat were definitely the first in a lifetime, you know, once in a lifetime, if, if, you know, if even that, because I had finally said yes to myself. I had finally put my true self first. I was actually starting a connection with my authentic self, with my soul. And Everything that I described to you in the beginning of telling you the story where I, you know, I always knew there was something more for me and then I allowed the ego to take over and became disconnected from who I really was. That trip, that experience was the start of reconnecting and the journey from there, you know, we can get a little bit more into that, but it has been um, nothing short of transformational. I've, I've learned that there are various sides of ego. I, I now teach about those various sides. And, you know, I think the really interesting thing is that I can talk to the corporate workplace in a way that I spent 17 years there. I know what it's like. It's not an awful place. It's all a matter of the lens that you're leading yourself with and how you're allowing that to affect you and what you're getting out of the situation. That's really what it's about. So I teach people 
those human skills now to not get so affected by their environment, to not allow the competition to get the best of them, to know when it's their, their mind or their heart leading them and when to choose each one and how to make those choices, you know, to just be a more conscious person making those active decisions in your life. It's, that's the transformation right there. And that's what I think if more people know these types of things that took me a really long time and the hard way to learn, what a, what a great world this could be. Well, thank you uh, for sharing that. Such an interesting story and background. And, and I, I found some similarities, you know, to my own experience. Um, I, at, at some point, you know, I, I was lucky that I, I had an awakening um, perhaps a little bit earlier than than what you described, but I was along going along the same path, you know, uh, finance accounting, and um, I was good at it, and you know, it would be a good career. Um, there was some ego involved, some you know, the prestige, the stability, the the pay, all that you know, fed into me making that decision to pursue that. And there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going that path, right? And, and, and having that kind of a career focus. Uh, but it, it certainly wasn't for me, right? And so you described sitting there on your couch and looking around, like, what in the world is my purpose? Um, that's for you. There, I mean, there, there are people who work at Goldman or, or other finance firms who find great meaning and purpose in their life and they have very fulfilling careers and that's wonderful. But for whatever reason, you know, for you, and it was the same case for me, uh, that we just didn't find that connection to that kind of uh, career and to that kind of a purpose. And so, and, and it's because, like you said, that we were driven so much by the ego, so much by what we thought the world was telling us was important, um, and <clears throat> trying to live up to others' expectations for ourselves, rather than listening to what was right for us. And that's, that's a really hard thing to let go of because quite frankly, that's kind of how our society and culture is built. So I would, I suspect, I don't know this, but I suspect that most people um, probably struggle with the same kind of issue. And it's kind of the rare ones that, that have that awakening and, and can find a way to, to balance um, and, and, and find more, more meaning each and every day. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. 
Bluer Than Indigo leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Right. I absolutely agree with you. And I think that, you know, if we really look at um, like what the mind is, you know, the mind is, is blank when we're born. It, it's all just created. Now there's of course other, you know, there's DNA, there's genetics, there's, you know, all of that, you know, sort of stuff that is a part of um, being a human being in a physical body. Right. But, but the mind just gets conditioned. And if we, if we really take a step back and look at the life that we're living and start to question where did we pick up certain ways of being? Where did we pick up certain beliefs? Are the thoughts that we're having actually our thoughts or are they just something that we've consumed or we've heard or we've read? You know, is it, or do all of those things really resonate with us on a deep level? Or is it all surface level? Like these are some of the questions that I, I teach in some of the, the sessions that I do with some of the, the group facilitations because it's very rare that people slow down enough to actually go that deep with themselves, you know, to actually ask those questions. You know, for example, we all learn when we're kids, when we're, you know, at a young age, probably around the time that we start to ride a bike. We, we learn that you should definitely stop at the edge of a sidewalk before you cross the street. And you should look both ways before crossing the street. What a great lesson to learn. What an awesome belief that our parents give us. You know, they help us believe that if you cross the street and a car comes, you're going to get hurt. So take precaution. That is something that serves us our entire life. That is a belief that does not limit us. It is absolutely a belief that is, you know, tried and true. It resonates. We know we're human beings and we are, you know, fragile, right? So, so that's a great one. But there are so many other ones from the structures, the systems, and everything that's built around the structures and systems in our lives that, that do completely program us. And you know, not to say that it's, it's negative or it's bad. It's not about being good or bad. It's just about, does it resonate with you? And is it your truth? And I, I believe that if we all could actually get closer to our heart and to our soul and, and, you know, to the human spirit within us that we would all be living, you know, a different kind of life where everything does feel more purposeful and we are more present. And so it's not about taking people and saying, you're not living your purpose because you're in a corporate role. No, it's about saying, have you connected to yourself? And if you have, where are you finding your purpose? Because there is a place for you in that company. There is a place for you in, you know, or for this work in your life. And it, and it can be something very positive and fulfilling for you, but you have to connect to yourself in order to make that happen, to allow that to happen. Right. Like it's all yeah. within. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's important for us as individuals to do that inner work so that we can know ourselves well enough to understand what our passions, what, where we find meaning, um, uh, you know, the, the role of relationships and what types of relationships are, are most important to us. You know, we have to do all that work to figure that out for ourselves. Right. But once we do that, then we have to communicate it with the people in our lives. Uh, otherwise, 
you know, we, we can't expect others to just like read our minds. Um, I mean, we have enough, we have enough trouble reading, like understanding our own thinking. (laughs) We can't, we certainly can't let expect others to read our minds. And so, you know, if, if I have a boss and I, I don't find meaning and purpose at work and I'm just feeling it's a drudgery and I'm disengaged, you know, I can't expect them to read my mind. If I do the work though, then I can have a discussion with them and then we can find better alignment. Um, so that they're getting more out of me, I'm contributing more, and it's a win-win. Absolutely. You know, and just so much of my corporate life, uh, you know, I saw, I saw a lot. I definitely saw a lot. But many of the people that I was closer to in the workplace and my various roles in different companies, what I, one theme I really noticed over time is that people love to vent and complain. And it's, it is the easy, easy choice to just blame dissatisfaction and lack of fulfillment on other people in your workplace, on the work specifically that you're doing, on the fact that this person's in that role and you're not. It is so easy to just you know, pick those things and make them the issue rather than to say, okay, if this is how I'm really feeling, what can I do to change that? And it is that inner work that you can do. It is, you know, the deep reflection and actually saying, am I living from my heart? Am I living from a place of healthy ego? Am I fulfilled in the work that I'm doing, but I'm just, you know, not connected to that in a way that I'm finding meaning in it? Like, you know, it's up to us individually to take that self-responsibility and then to figure these things out for ourselves. Like it's not anyone else's problem, you know? Um, and that's actually one of the really, it's actually a really fascinating thing when I um, talk about some of this stuff and I tie it, personal development and professional growth are actually melded. And I think that we're seeing that more so than ever, given what we've lived through in the past six months. Leaders and executives, people that are running their own businesses, they now understand that they need to invest in their employees in this way where they're not just saying, here's your sales training. You know, I'll make sure that you have your systems training and now go. No, it's more about how do I help you be your best and actualize your potential so that you are more fulfilled in the work that you're doing, that you do find meaning and working for this company. And ultimately, I mean, if that person grows so much that they leave and go somewhere else, then Hey, you've done a great job with that person, you know, and, and if that's what you're really doing for your people, there's going to be, you know, the next one at your door wanting a spot at that company. Like that is the talent, you know, attraction and retention, um, you know, method for the future. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as as you were um, mentioning our personal responsibility for our own meaning and purpose, um, and you, you highlighted, you know, that there are systems, there are, there are um, embedded uh, cultural elements and societal um, elements and mechanisms that can perpetuate uh, harmful thought patterns and, and whatnot. Now, we're not saying that those don't exist. They absolutely exist, actually. What we're suggesting is there's, there, there are things that we can control and there are things that we can't control. And so I do have control over myself and I do have control over my own thought patterns and I do have control how I approach the world. 
That's not to say that there aren't harmful systems that need to be disrupted. That's not saying there aren't um, damaging policies and practices and organizations that need to be changed. It's not saying there aren't abusive uh, people who, uh, who need to be stopped. Uh, you know, th those things are all true. Um, and so, and there are, there is a time and a place with people in particular roles that have the ability to, to uh, disrupt and, and challenge those sorts of systems and processes to, to bring about broader change. Mm -hmm. um, and that's important, but right. it's, it's, it's also important that we recognize the extent to which we have control over ourselves and, and we can step forward it, with a positive mindset um, to try to try to tackle the challenges that we are facing um, because it, it won't do me any good to sit back and complain or to sit back and to blame even if everything I'm complaining about or all the blame I'm passing is actually accurate <laughs> even if it's all true it still isn't going to help me move forward in my life and so you know if if my meaning and purpose is let's take the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, for example, if I feel so passionately about that, that I feel like that's my driving purpose in life right now, that I'm going to contribute to the broader social dialogue and I'm going to contribute to try to change systemic um, racism in, in the country and, and within organizations. And so that's where I take my, my work and my career. Great. You know, and that, that's, that's, uh, that's going to be uh, some amazing work that you're going to be doing. Um, but you know, that, that's not everybody, uh, you know, there's right. lots of people that might feel strongly about that might feel discouraged about the, the state of affairs, you know, in terms of race relations in the U S. Um, and we can, we can let our voices be heard, but if we're allowing ourselves to be dragged down each and every day, um, and just kind of wallowing and waiting amidst the muck of all of the discouragement and, Right. all that, that, then we're not helping change anything systemically and we're not helping improve anything for ourselves. Right. Yeah. And a couple of things come to mind there. I mean, the first one is that how many people just stay in a role or at a company because it's the safe choice and yet they're miserable, you know, and it's like, it is their responsibility to create change in their life. And what a surefire way of doing that going inward and actually getting to you know, the deeper rooted reasons that you're not happy there. And if it is about um, toxic culture, which does exist, if it is about toxic people, which do exist, you know, then you need to go somewhere else, you know, but it's also how many times people, how many times do people actually leave a company because they just think, oh, I'm not happy here. Like, you know, I don't like my job. I don't like the people or any of those reasons. And they just think that they're going to be better off somewhere else and the grass is greener. And then it turns out just as brown as it was before. Like that is telling you something, you know, dig deeper, right? But, you know, a little story on that one. When I was in finance, I had some of the worst female bosses on the, the face of the planet. And it bugs me that they were female. It really does. And I, I never, I've never once been a victim as a woman in a male dominant world. Like I've always worked in roles that are male dominated and I could have cared less. Like I, I never even noticed it. Like I was just, I guess you could have called me like one of the guys in that way, but I was still myself in a feminine standpoint, but it never bothered me. But these female bosses I had were certainly the ones that were leading with ego, but they were also the ones that were trying to be something they weren't, you know, and 
they were so impacted by um, what they thought that they were supposed to be and what was acceptable and what was going to get them ahead. And, you know, if I look at those various roles where I was the one that was complaining to my coworkers because our boss is so awful. And, you know, I was the one, you know, going out for drinks with my peers and we're, you know, we're at happy hour and we're making jokes about how terrible these, you know, these managers are and, and things like that. That didn't serve me. And did I, did I think that I was going to be better off if I just got into a different role with a different manager or if I left? Absolutely. I thought that. So I know where that comes from and I know what it's like to feel that way. But in, in, a, in doing that inner work, if I would have had the skill set I have now, I would have been able to go to those managers and say, you know, I don't understand why it is I'm treated this way. I work very hard. I have, you know, great reviews from my peers and my clients, and I'm just not understanding what it is that's causing this friction between you and I. Is there something that I should know? Is there something I can do? Can we please have a conversation about this? You know, I don't like how I feel when I'm, you know, interacting with you for these reasons. Is, can we have a discussion? And if only I would have done that, it would have been so different. But I didn't have the maturity or, um, you know, the connection, you know, to myself, the relationship with myself to be able to do that. Now, in my last corporate role, I had a woman that was working with me who was fantastic her first six months and then something changed. I don't know what it was. I could not put a finger on it, but I noticed her work product suffered. Her communication definitely became more negative, uh, more short. Uh, I was avoided and I could tell I was avoided. And all I was thinking is, I have an opportunity to change this. I have always known I will never be the kind of manager that people were to me because I, I learned what not to do, put it that way. And I, I approached this woman and I just said, I'd love to have a conversation. You know, I've noticed these things change in our relationship and I just don't understand why. Can you please help me understand if I did something that offended you? Can you help me if I, you know, did I do something that um, somehow made you look at me in a different way, in a different lens? You know, can we just have a, a conversation about this so that I can understand how I can help fix it? You know, and it, it literally, and she was in her, she was the age that I was when I was going through what I just described, you know, in her mid twenties and it changed that relationship so much for the better. It became a much more transparent relationship. It became one where, um, I was able to help her in ways that I wasn't before because I now knew enough about her and the reasons that she was feeling friction in her role. And it wasn't about me, actually. It was about some other things that were going on in the company. But how enlightening to just be able to have a transparent, open discussion because you are now more connected to yourself and you now know that you actually have the responsibility to go and make a difference, you know, in the role that you have or the relationships at work. Yeah, yeah, I, I really appreciate that story. Aaron, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. The time has flown by. I would love to continue, um, but we're running short on time. Um, before we close, though, I wanted to make sure to give you a chance to give the last word and share with listeners how they can connect with you and find out more about what you might be able to do for them. 
I love that. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so erincoop.com is my website and there's a lot of information there. I, I write a blog so you can go to the deep thoughts section and um, everything has to do with relationships and, um, you know, our place in society and, you know, the mind, the psyche, um, you know, a lot of those things that have to do with our professional lives and how we live them to the fullest. But um, another way is on LinkedIn. I'm very active there. So please, you know, reach out, connect with me, follow me, whatever you'd like to do. And you can also find me under Authentically EC on Facebook and Instagram. Wonderful. It has been a real pleasure talking with you. I hope yeah. we can do this again and we can uh, explore even in more depth some of these related topics. Um, but I hope listeners will reach out to Erin, you know, find, get connected with her on LinkedIn, find out more about what she can do for you. And I hope everyone continues to stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and that we all have a great week. Thank you. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.